Greetings, everyone. This is Terry Naturally with another edition of Terry Talks Nutrition. We're here every Saturday and Sunday morning from 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock Standard Time, Central Standard Time, and we are located in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the USA. And I tell you that is because you can listen live to our radio show, which is locally broadcasted, but you can listen on your computer anywhere around the world as we live stream our radio programming to our website, terrytalksnutrition.com. There you can listen to the show live by changing your times to be on the same time we are here at the Central Standard Time. Or all of our shows, past shows, are archived on our site. So you can listen to those shows at your convenience. Also, our newsletter. I write a weekly newsletter every week, and I'll send it to your email address if you subscribe to it. But we also have our newsletters archived on the e-newsletter site of terrytalksnutrition.com. And we are always here, as I say, for you. A lot of people just don't realize that our health is our responsibility. We can't just go through life doing as we please, eating garbage food, fast food, tons of carbohydrates and sugar, lay on the couch sometimes all day or in the evening, doing nothing but skipping through the channels and staying up too late, doing no exercise, and then expect to have good health. We expect the doctor to cure us. We expect drugs to cure us. Drugs don't cure anything. Doctors don't cure anything. Doctors don't even instill good health. And mostly in themselves and others. Because doctors do not believe in food as medicine. Doctors do not believe in anything but a balanced diet. And what the heck is a balanced diet? To most of the patients, they just say, eat a balanced diet. Well, tell me what that is. I have never been able to figure out how to balance a diet. And everybody has different needs and desires and wants that are never satisfied with the diet that they have selected. Food is our best medicine. I want to say that over and over and over again. Food, we have survived for millions of years on food. We don't need drugs. No, I'm not against drugs. I think drugs have a place in our society. But drugs should be used for an emergency, for a crisis, for an injury that is far beyond food being able to 
save one's life. Drugs do save lives. They don't instill health. And if we have a reasonable amount of good health, we just want to improve the amount of health that we have. And that is by selecting some of the greatest principles of good health. A healthy diet of good quality proteins, healthy fats, very low carbohydrates, no sugar. And the American diet, the standard American diet, S-A-D, yes, it's SAD, standard American diet, primarily is made up of carbohydrates that are refined and processed, which eventually converts to sugar in the body. And then we eat a lot of sugar, plain, refined, white sugar, brown sugar, turbinado sugar, and all the sugars are the same. They're sugars. So the diet is made up of sugar, the American diet. And we need good animal proteins. I think animal proteins are the best quality of proteins that we can select. We need good, healthy fats. Fats are not bad for us. Of course, there are bad fats, like vegetable oils, trans fatty acids, like those that are found in margarine and solid shortenings, hydrogenated fats, they're bad. But we need good fats. Don't deny yourself of good quality fats, like butter, olive oil, pecan oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, and the good proteins. We need these fats. Avoid the bad fats and really include plenty of good quality fats. Fat is not the enemy. Sugar is the enemy. Sugar has no value whatsoever. And it causes all kinds of medical problems. We need a good, we need a good night's sleep. Seven to nine hours of sleep. We need to have some activity. Exercise. Movement. We can regain our health at any stage of our life. Now, if we have worn something out by the time we wake up and know that we could have avoided that destruction, well, then it might be too late. If you have knees that have been worn out because maybe you're carrying 50 to 100 pounds on those knees or you've had a severe injury or just because you have eaten carelessly and now you have bone on bone, well, you can't regrow cartilage. But you can reduce the pain of bone on bone with natural supplements like curcumin, boswellia, black sesame seed oil. We can regain our health. Not 100% maybe, 
but a lot better than maybe where you are now today. There are not miracles if you've destroyed your body. You can't regrow cartilage. You can't rebuild bone. But we can make huge advances of a better, healthy lifestyle. Remember, I always say 98% of all of our diseases is caused by our choices. Our choices. So that's why we're here. Because people just maybe never thought of the fact, hey, maybe we can make a better life. Maybe we can have a better quality of health. And they never think of it. They do the same bad things day after day after day. And what is that? That's like doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Not going to happen. We are creating our own diseases. We are creating our own destruction. And the American diet kills more people than any other source. So we're here just to share information that you may or may not want to use. We are just offering suggestions, offering ideas, new concepts, new science. And these are things you may want to talk to your doctor about. I don't ever suggest you go off your drugs. I'm not a doctor. I want you to have the best health possible. And as you change your lifestyle, you may not need the drugs you're taking. Maybe you're taking high blood pressure medication. If you do some right things, your blood pressure will become more normal. You can even actually use a natural combination like grapeseed extract and olive leaf extract that lowers blood pressure equally as effective as drugs. There are other methods that are safer and effective and no side effects. And that's all we try to teach. Use it or not is your choice. And always talk to your doctor. I don't know what, what drugs you're on. And I'm not suggesting you go off your drugs. But in time, I pray that you will be off your drugs. Because they are not safe. And they all have side effects. I don't know of a drug that does not have side effects. And some of the side effects are so long that the leaflet that comes with the medication is pages long sometimes. So we're going to share some information with you, as we always do on our show. So today we're going to talk about, and mostly for women, how to have a very healthy head of hair. And then we're going to tell you about, this is funny, how to eat an apple. Have you ever thought about that? Three vitamins that could save you from the virus called COVID-19. And other viral infections as well. 
Three vitamins. And what is the best time to eat? When is the best time to exercise? And then we'll talk, take a closer look at why men have prostate cancer. And what is the best diet for your liver? We'll never run out of topics. We just run out of time. With an hour, today and tomorrow, we really have way, way too much content to share with you. So let's get on. Hair loss is common for both men and women. 40% of women have visible hair loss by age 40. And 80% of women will have noticeable hair loss by age 60. For women, hair loss is frequently associated with hormonal changes, pregnancy, and menopause. And then there are other reasons for hair loss. Chemotherapy drugs, medications, Many drugs cause hair loss. Extreme stress, traumatic illnesses or surgery, cosmetic routines, chemical dyes, blow dryers, flat irons, and of course genetics. But the genetics affects only 2% of the women and men. If your parents had thin hair, you are more, more likely to have thin hair as well. Autoimmune diseases, for example, lupus, and thyroid disorders. The entire American population does not get a sufficient uptake of iodine. Iodine cannot be found in our soil. It's not found in our food. And I think everyone should take iodine to support the function of their thyroid. And there's some very good substantial scientific data that shows iodine, L-tyrosine, which is an amino acid, and selenium can improve thyroid function. With a low thyroid, women will see a greater loss of hair than most any other condition. And then there is anemia. Iron has gotten a bad rap. We need iron. And it's never found in a multivitamin and mineral supplement because years ago there was a very small, flawed, fraudulent study done in, I believe, Norway or Finland that said iron could cause heart complications. But we need iron. That's why I think meat, animal products, are a very good source of iron. Anemia is common in women. 
So how do we promote hair regrowth? Hair actually is a protein. And it contains sulfur. Have you ever smelt hair burning? Maybe you reached over the stove, over the burner, and it singed your hair on your arm. You can smell that. And what is that smell? That smell is sulfur. And hair is made up of a protein called keratin. And the sulfur you're smelling comes from two amino acids. Amino acids are components that make up protein. There is 22 amino acids. Nine of them are essential because our body does not make them and you have to get them from our food. So that's why we need protein to get all these amino acids. And the amino acids that we need for hair is called L-methionine and L-cysteine. They're essential to form the protein for the hair called keratin. K-E-R-A-T-I-N. Keratin. Now they found in some research in Japan that when we, when Patients take chemotherapy, they lose their hair. And they did a study with cancer patients, feeding them millet seed oil. Millet is a grain. It's commonly referred to as bird seed. Some people eat it as a cereal. M-I-L-L-E-T, millet seed oil, is ideal for promoting hair growth. There's a compound found in the oil called millicin. M-I-L-I-A-C-I-N. Millicin. The key compound in millet seed oil stimulates hair cell growth and regeneration. And it is shown in a clinical study in Japan to accelerate the regrowth of hair loss due to cancer chemotherapy treatments, the most severe form of hair loss. So here are some nutrients that are extremely valuable for hair regrowth. A combination of millet seed oil, the amino acids L-methionine and L-cysteine, And then with vitamins A, E, and B6, riboflavin, otherwise known as B2, folate, biotin, pantothenic acid, zinc, and an extract from horsetail. This is a combination that is superior to establish hair regrowth, promoting hair regrowth. Here's what one of my listeners said as I did this report some time ago. I use the millet seed oil formula you recommended plus coconut oil hair treatment once a week. 
successfully treated my old hair. I think she said it was old lady hair. Referring to her as having hair much older looking than what she was. And everyone comment on how beautiful my hair looks today. So we can establish a better quality of hair. And I would also add iodine to this mix of vitamins and minerals and millet seed oil. A superior combination of regrowing hair. Now when I opened up the program, I talked about the right way to eat an apple. Well, do we need any help to know how to eat an apple? Are you eating apples wrong? Well, the right right way, I should say, is to eat an apple with the peel on it. I see many people peel an apple and then eat it. They think they are improving the quality of the apple because they believe that there are toxins on the skin or the peel or there's spray on the apple. And that's probably a good thing to think about. But when you spray apples, you're spraying the entire apple, not just the peel. And peeling an apple removes much of the fiber and the antioxidant value of the apple. And apples have a lot of nutritional value. You know the old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away? Apples are very, very healthy. And apples, especially the peel, apple peels I should say, are high in a very specific type of fiber called pectin. I know many ladies have used pectin in their canning of fruits and whatever. It's like a gelatin. And pectin is a very good food source for the good bacteria. It feeds the good bacteria that live in your gut. They are healthy and we need them. They're essential to our good health. And they also help to reduce inflammation and promote good digestion. But conventionally grown apples are the fifth, five, fifth most contaminated fruit with pesticide residue. Try to buy organic apples if you can. And they are genetically modified. They are grown for taste only, not nutrition. So they grow them so they don't bruise easily. So that when you cut them open, they don't turn brown. And they grow them so they are bigger. They grow them for a sweet taste. They don't grow them for nutrition. They are the fifth most contaminated fruit. And according to the Environmental Working Group, what is the number one 
most contaminated fruit. Strawberries. Strawberries are the most contaminated sprayed fruits available. The second most contaminated fruit, excuse me, I shouldn't say fruit, vegetable or salad, is spinach. And then kale. Fourth, nectarines. Fifth, apples. And the sixth most contaminated fruit, the most common fruit consumed worldwide, are grapes. So buy organic fruits if you can. And eat them with the peel on. But still wash them first. Now, we all are concerned with COVID-19. Viral infection. That affects the upper respiratory tract, the lungs, the bronchial. Many people can't breathe. They're short of breath. They have cough, fever. But based on research, valid research, there are three vitamins that could save you and your life from COVID-19 and also other viral infections. Our immune system, the Creator, has instilled into our body a natural, so to speak, vaccine. And that vaccine is our immune system. Our immune system is like an army that protects the country from an invasion by evildoers that wants to take over the country, that wants to destroy the country. And viruses are very similar to a foreign invasion. It is something that the body has never seen or maybe sees over and over again. So our body is equipped with an army and many tools, ammunition of the army to destroy the virus. But most people don't eat right. They're grossly overweight. They're unhealthy. 50% of the population in America is obese. America is in very bad health, very sick country. We need nutrition to be healthy, not drugs, not vaccines. And I'm not telling you not to get a vaccine. Go to your doctor and you make the decision between you and your doctor as to what you want to take a vaccine. So I have to take a break here. I'll be right back with more right here on Terry Talks Nutrition. I'm Terry Naturally of the three vitamins that could save you from COVID-19. And welcome back, my friends. This is Terry Naturally with TerryTalksNutrition.com. That is our website. Go to our website. We got a brand new website. All kinds of good information. We've got videos, radio shows, newsletters, 
and a host of good scientific, scientific information for you. And you can also order my book, books, I should say. I have a goal of writing nine books this year. I have four done, two are published, and two are in the process of being published. So go to my website, you can order them, and you can also get them on Amazon.com. Now before the break, we talked about the three vitamins that could save your life, save your health from COVID-19, a virus infection, and other viral infections as well. Three great vitamins. Now this is what we should be doing instead of drugs. But people do not pay attention to their diet. And our diet provides these nutrients. But if you're like me, I'm eating the best diet I possibly can. But I'm also taking these three vitamins in supplement form to make sure that I'm getting a good dosage. I'm not going to leave it up to chance that my food is going to supply these nutrients. Our food, regardless of how it is grown, it is still not perfect. Food is grown in actually foreign countries for consumption in the United States. We pick food green before it is totally ripened because we are shipping it across the country. And ripe fruit, ripe food will spoil over a period of time. And that causes a loss of nutrients. Cooking causes a loss of nutrients. Peeling, paring, storing all cause a loss of nutrients. I don't know how anybody can really do a healthy diet without adding some good supplemental protocols. Even if you just took a really, really, really good multivitamin and mineral supplement, and the, really, the reason I say really, 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 because a daily vitamin will never give you the nutrients you need. A formulation should have in four, two, at least two or four tablets a day. A daily vitamin, you can't put enough nutrients in a one a day, in a daily vitamin. I'm not suggesting a brand. I'm just saying if you take one tablet daily, you can't get all the vitamins and minerals in that tablet. And some manufacturers do list all the vitamins and minerals in their daily one-a-day tablet, but they're there in such small quantities, they have no value. I have a very dear friend who has a nutritional company. And I love him. He's a great guy, a great friend. But people want a one-a-day. And if that's what you want, okay. It's your choice. But if you look at the potency of a one a day. 
You aren't getting all the potency that the body requires. You may be getting all the vitamins and minerals, but they're in such low quantity, it makes no difference. Now in my friend's multi, calcium. We need about 1,000 milligrams of calcium. He has 25 milligrams. Magnesium. Women need about 340 milligrams of magnesium. Men need about 440 milligrams of magnesium. In his multi, 10 milligrams of magnesium. So for those who aren't familiar with reading labels, they read the label and they say, oh, I have magnesium, I have calcium. Yeah, but that's like spitting in the ocean. What does that what does that one spit in the ocean mean to the ocean? Absolutely nothing. And that's why a lot of these vitamins and minerals that are in supplements mean nothing. Because they're not there in a quantity that would be of any value. So now let's get back to our subject of the three great vitamins that can protect you from infection. Protect you, protect you from in, from infection. Prevent infection. Isn't that what we want to do? Isn't that what a vaccine does? But vaccines have side effects, as we all know and all see. It's on the news. But vitamin D, three. Vitamin D, like dog, three. Higher levels of vitamin D are associated with reduced risk of viral infection. A shorter duration of illness. Less severe symptoms. Reduced risk of dying from infection. And from most of the top alternative physicians that I have talked to, or I've referred to their information, they say between 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 to 10,000 units of vitamin D3 daily. That's for vitamin D3. Do not use vitamin D2. That is a synthetic form of the natural form of vitamin D3. And vitamin D2 is about 50% as effective as vitamin D3. Vitamin A found to blunt the ability of COVID virus to bind to cells. It can't become part of the host. Low vitamin A levels have been associated with increased incidence and severity of upper respiratory tract infections. And that's where the greatest damage is done from COVID-19. Vitamin K. Like vitamin A, vitamin K prevents COVID viruses from forming infectious cells. Low K levels are linked to an increased risk of ventilator use or even death after COVID infection. Now these three vitamins are critical. I take a formulation that contains all three in one soft gel capsule. 
vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K. And I usually take one or two a day. This is a great combination. It has powerful effects on your immune system, your natural, innate ability to block the uptake of any virus. Now, when do you eat? Well, I know some people say all the time. But really, when do you really eat? And when is the best time to eat? Well, they say, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. Most people today do exactly the opposite. They skip breakfast. A sketchy lunch. And then they pile on the plate at dinner. Very large meal. So they found in research that eating a large meal late in the day leads to sleep disturbances, don't sleep well, all that food has to be digested and you're trying to fall asleep. Acid reflux, eating a large meal late in the day causes acid reflux. The inability to tolerate glucose So your body cannot handle the amount of sugar that may be in your late meal. Now I'm, you know, most people think sugar out of the sugar bowl. But we're talking about all the carbohydrates. Bread, pasta, cereals. All the grain products. Convert to sugar. Very readily and easily. So we are taking in a lot of sugar in our daily intake. And eating a large meal late in the day also increases weight gain. Nutrients not being used get stored in fat tissue. When you eat more calories of sugar and carbohydrates, the body releases insulin to take the amount of sugar from sugar or from carbohydrates into the cells to produce energy. Now, most people are not doing enough that they require extra energy. And also, we are eating so many calories from carbohydrates and sugar that the insulin that is produced, can't keep up. The amount of insulin is restricted in terms of quantity, but the sugar is not restricted. And that's why people think they have type 2 diabetes. It truly is not diabetes. It's too much sugar. When the doctor looks at your blood and says, wow, you have 
a lot of blood sugar. Well, yes, because you're eating a lot of sugar and the insulin is not able to take all that sugar into the cells to produce energy. And so that sugar and carbohydrates in forms of fat is stored. So if you have excess fat on your body, you're going to have excess sugar in your bloodstream. Researchers found that women eating lunch after 4.30 p.m. burned fewer calories than women who ate lunch at 1 p.m. Even though both groups had the same amount of activity levels and ate the same amount of calories. And when you eat a great breakfast, two, three, four scrambled eggs, poached eggs, whatever you want, just don't fry them until they're brown, soft as possible. And then you have uh, maybe a slice or two of cheese. Maybe you have a couple of tablespoons of olive oil. Maybe you have three or four slices of bacon. That's a breakfast that I enjoy many mornings. Is three or four poached eggs. Sometimes I'll have a double order of bacon with olive oil, butter, and a cup of coffee. When you eat that kind of breakfast, it has been shown through research that that day you will consume about 500 calories less at your other meals. Because the breakfast meal sets your day in terms of your need for food. So experts suggest time your largest meal for your most active time of day, and that's morning. Get up a half hour earlier. And I go to Starbucks every morning, and I get a large coffee, nothing else in it, a large coffee. And I see two or three cars ahead of me, they're getting bags of food. And what does Starbucks sell primarily? Muffins, carbohydrates, bread, bran muffins, all the carbohydrates. They also sell an egg bite, which is not so bad. But people are getting a sweet breakfast. Not a fat breakfast. Eat a fat breakfast. Get up a half hour earlier. You will feel so much better that day. And you'll have far more energy that day. Sugar gives you energy. It's equivalent to like striking a match. It lasts just a very short period of time. And then you're hungry again. And so you binge and binge and binge 
all through the day. Sugar, 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 sugar. But if you start your morning off with fat, with eggs and bacon, olive oil, butter. Yeah, I always put a big pat of butter on my eggs, big pat of butter on my steak. You'll feel better. Energy produced by fat lasts a long time. It's like lighting a candle rather than striking a match. So start off with a big morning breakfast. So now we told you the right time, the best time to eat. Let's talk about the best time to exercise. Is there a best time of the day to exercise? Well, in 2019, researchers looked at exercising in the morning versus the afternoon in men with type 2 diabetes. Remember, I told you that type 2 diabetes is optional. You do not have to be a diabetic. It's because of your choices of food. And the result of this research, a short, high-intensity workout in the afternoon improved blood sugar control. The same workout in the morning actually caused blood sugar levels to spike. They went up from working out in the morning. High-intensity workout. That means, I'll show you an example. High-intensity means like an athlete that runs a 100-yard dash. A lot of energy, a lot of work per second, very, very quickly. Or the 440, very short, intense workout. A person that runs a marathon does very little work per second compared to to high-intensity workout. So the best, work, the best way to work out is work out very, very short, three, four, five times. And if you look at my video on my website of how to work out with a kettlebell, the kettlebell is the same kind of high-intensity workout, but you're only working out for about six minutes a time, and that could be two, three, four times a week. In a new study, researchers looked at the timing of exercise in men at the risk of type 2 diabetes. And all of the participants rode a stationary bike three times a week for 12 weeks following an identical workout, but at different times of the day. So the results of this study, the men who exercised between 3 and 6 p.m. had better insulin sensitivity, better blood sugar levels, and lost more fat than the morning riders that were exercising between 8 in the morning and 10 a.m. So workout later in the day. Some people get up 4 o'clock in the morning to get their workout in. 
the worst time of the day. Later in the day is much, much better. I've always worked out late afternoon or early night. I very rarely ever work out in the morning. The researchers concluded that afternoon exercise may help metabolize food consumed later in the day faster. But exercise at any time of the day is still better than what? No exercise at all. So there's no excuse. I can't work out in the afternoon. Well, then do it in the morning. But the best time is afternoon exercise. But if you can't spare the time in the afternoon, or you've got a schedule, picking up the kids at school, whatever you might have, what's going on, you may not be able to work out. So do it in the morning. Because some exercise at any time of the day is still better than none. Now, we told you the best time to eat. We told you the best time to exercise. Now, let's talk about the best diet for your liver. 30 million people have a condition called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Why is it called non-alcoholic? Well, years ago, liver disease and cirrhosis of the liver, scarring of the liver, the liver that turns into fat rather than healthy cells, was mostly caused by alcohol. Alcoholics had a very diseased liver. But now we have a condition called non-alcoholic, meaning no alcohol, but still caused liver disease. So what now today is causing liver disease if it's not alcohol? Sugar and carbohydrates are causing all of our cells to retain fat, including our liver. 30 million people have full-blown non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and many children, 18% of children, have fatty liver disease. Now, in most cases, you have no signs, no symptoms of the liver disease until it's too late. But there is a special diet and supplements to reverse your fatty liver disease. Now the best diet for preventing fat buildup in the liver. A normal liver, healthy liver, weighs about 4 or 5 pounds. And in many people, that same liver after having non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, could weigh up to 20 pounds. So that additional 15 pounds is fat. And that overwhelms our liver function. So researchers tested three different diets for their ability to prevent fat deposits in the liver. Look at your body. Take off your clothes 
Uh, I would suggest in your bedroom, when you're alone, look in the mirror. See all that fat? That's also inside your body as well. And the worst kind of fat is the fat inside your body. And if you have a beer belly or a bread belly or that belly that sticks way out, in fact, if you walk to the wall and the first thing that hits the wall is your belly, it's too big. But that's all fat. And the most dangerous kind of fat is the fat that's in your abdomen. Abdominal fat. 300 participants with significant abdominal obesity were assigned to an exercise program plus one of three diets. The Mediterranean diet. Quite low in simple carbohydrates, including walnuts as part of their diet. Walnuts are a very, very healthy nut. Modified Mediterranean diet, same as the Mediterranean diet, plus green tea and a plant-based protein shake made from duckweed. Oh boy, wow. Results. All three diets reduce fatty liver deposits. The standard healthy eating reduce fat in the liver by 12%. The Mediterranean diet reduced 20%. And the Mediterranean diet plus green tea reduced fatty liver by 39% reduction. I personally think the Mediterranean diet is a great diet. And anyone who follows it is following a good example of a good diet. I do prefer the ketogenic diet. A diet with good animal protein, healthy fats, extremely low carbohydrates and sugar. If you're going to start off on the ketogenic diet, try working step by step by step to get your carbohydrates down to about 20 grams per day versus those that are fat that are eating 400 grams per day. And then you might increase slowly your carbohydrates to a moderate level if you feel that you work better with a little bit of carbohydrates. But I would never exceed 75 grams of carbohydrates per day. So that, my friends, I'm all out of time. But I'll always be back here tomorrow, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central Standard Time. So have a great, fantastic day. Start doing something healthy for yourself. Say a prayer for this crazy, crazy, mad world. God bless you, and God bless America.